Welcome to the November 29th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily podcast, where we cover the biggest stories of Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency every single day. You could count on us being here. This is your host, Space Marine, live from space. Diving into the market analysis, Bitcoin is on a general uptrend. So it's risen all the way from 3600 up to $4,400 on November 28th. It declined a bit uh, overnight, went down to 4150 or so on Bitstamp, and it went up to $4,400 again today. Went down a little bit, now it's going up a bit though. It's over $4,300, nearing $4,350. On Bitfinex, the, the gap between Bitfinex and Bitstamp has closed massively. So Bitfinex is at like $4,395, while Bitstamp's at $4,335. So that's only a $60 gap, about 1.5%. That's not massively closed, but it's less than it was. It used to be like 3% higher for like an extended period of time. And this might have to do with Tether regaining parity. So Tether's at parity. It's actually 99.8 cents right now. And I actually theorized that Tether would stabilize a little below parity because their withdrawal fees are like anywhere from like 0.4 to 3% depending on how much you withdraw. If you withdraw more than $10 million to redeem it from USDT to USD, it will be 3% of a fee. So I think it will stabilize, but a little below parity based on that. But yeah, it's gone back to a dollar and it's been consistently there for about a day or two now. And that's the first time in months that Tether has stabilized at a dollar. And Tether is really a stable coin now. The other stable coins, USD coin and uh, True USD, I think they're gonna stop gaining much in the market cap. True USD is still going up in its market cap. It's at $194 million. USD coin is pretty much stuck at $178 million. So I think it might've actually went down a few hundred million dollars. So the other stable coins like True USD, USD coin, PAX, Gemini Dollar, they were all gaining as Tether was unstable. And now it seems like those gains probably will stop. And Tether might start to gain market cap again now that it can be trusted as a stable coin. But it might take a little while for people to regain that trust. Ethereum's at $120. That's up a good amount. It was actually as low as $100 like a week ago or so. So it's up 20% or so. Uh, Bitcoin's market cap's up to $76 billion. Ripple... Is sitting in a market cap of $15.4 billion. It's down a little bit. And Stellar is up a lot today. Stellar's up more than... Like, the other coins are pretty much, like, steady today. Or maybe a little down, actually. Because, like I said, it peaked out yesterday. And now it's just kind of getting back towards that peak from yesterday. But uh, Stellar is up 6.3% today. $0.17, cents, $3.26 billion market cap. Bitcoin Cash ABC is at $184. While Bitcoin Cash SV is now at... Uh, $95. And if you look at coin market cap, ABC is now just called Bitcoin Cash. They've decided that's Bitcoin Cash, even though the people in SV would disagree. But And then Bitcoin Cash SV is called Bitcoin SV, simply. So they're kind of competing to see who will be the greatest version of Bitcoin Cash. But when you just look at the perspective, if you add both, both the market caps combined is $5 billion, while Bitcoin itself is at like $76 billion. They're altcoins, they're not Bitcoin. And so don't get confused by the Bitcoin in their name. There's other Bitcoin forks too, like Bitcoin Gold and Bitcoin Diamond that are on the top 100 coin market cap list, but they don't get any respect, really. Well, maybe they do in their own little community, but no one really talks about them. So I kind of feel the same way about any of these Bitcoin cash forks, ABC and SV, because they're not Bitcoin and they have nowhere near the activity or the market cap of Bitcoin, period. Like, let's look at the volumes. Bitcoin Cash, ABC has a volume of $96 million and SV has a volume of $140 million dollars. While the Bitcoin volume is a $7 billion. There's just no comparison here. 
EOS is down a little bit, and EOS is consistently, like on days where the market is stable, EOS goes down a little. When the market goes down, EOS goes down more. When it goes up, it goes up less. So overall, EOS has just been losing market cap relative to the other currencies. It's below $3 billion now. It's a $2.8 billion, and that's just been the story since EOS went to its own blockchain. It used to be an ERC-20 token when it did its ICO, and EOS had the biggest ICO in history, but now it's at a $2.8 billion market cap and going down. I think it was at least $5 billion before when it started up, maybe a little more than that. And so it's it's nearly at like a 50% loss at this point, if not already there. Litecoin is just steady today at $35, just over a $2 billion market cap. Cardano, Tron, and Monero continue to have over a billion dollar market cap. So uh, like several days ago during the peak of this nuclear bear market, so far at least, we could go back to the nuclear bear market. Time will tell. But yeah, Cardano, Tron, and Monero were below the $1 billion mark, but now they're above it. And Bitcoin SV was below that mark too. They actually rallied a lot. They were at like $40 on Bitcoin SV and they rallied all the way to like over 100 briefly. So Tron's actually up 11% today. $1.1 billion mark cap. Tron's ahead of Monero, surprisingly. And Monero's only at like $62. Not that long ago, Monero was over $100. That wasn't long ago. That was like a couple weeks ago. So Monero's really had a fallout due to the nuclear bear market. IOTA and Dash are up slightly today and in 13th and 14th place, respectively. Market cap's less than $900 million. And then Ethereum Classic's a little less than $5. It dropped a bit. And yeah, here's Bitcoin Gold just for that example of another Bitcoin fork. They're down like 3% today. But what is Bitcoin Gold? It's probably just a copycat. Dogecoin's up like almost a percent today, way down at number 24 on coin market cap. Zero X, a basic attention token. Well, Zero X is up almost 10%. A basic attention token is up 7%. So they're having great days. And that's probably because they're listed on Coinbase. So because the whole market rose, they're continuing to have a rally because all the United States customers could easily buy Zero X, a basic attention token. But they're still way back at 26 and 28 on the coin market cap list. That's the market analysis for today. Now jumping into our first story. And I think it's a hilarious story. So the United States has issued sanctions against a couple of Bitcoin addresses and they didn't get the memo. You can't really sanction a Bitcoin address. So with any sort of bank account for fiat payment networks, you could issue sanctions and they do. They issue sanctions all the time against terrorists, countries that they don't like, like Iran and North Korea, stuff like that. But they tried to expand this. Like, this is the first time we've sanctioned a Bitcoin address. So they literally said the Bitcoin addresses in their announcement. They said you can't do business with these addresses. Usually they would freeze the whole bank account and make it impossible. Or just, like, literally destroy the bank account and then list that they destroyed it. But with Bitcoin, they're like, okay, here's the addresses. Don't touch it. Well, guess what? Someone touched it. The Bitcoiners are proving that you can't stop a Bitcoin address from receiving Bitcoins. It's impossible. You literally can't delete a Bitcoin address. You can't freeze it. The system is decentralized and cryptographically secure. So even with the best hackers the United States has working for them, they can't just like hack the Bitcoin address and delete it somehow. It's impossible. It will always be able to accept transactions. And it was really funny because these addresses were inactive. One of them was used as late as like November 11th. And the other one was used in 2017. And both addresses have become active thanks to this announcement because Bitcoiners are like, they got curious. Curiosity killed the cat. And yeah, so... One of them is really funny. So let me just explain why these Bitcoin addresses were sanctioned. It's because they were associated with a ransomware scheme called SamSam. And SamSam was basically seized up people's computers and demanded money. Ransomware has been a common thing. And they usually ask for Bitcoin nowadays because then they could maintain their anonymity versus a fiat payment method where they had to kind of like reveal their, their identities. 
So they were asking for Bitcoin in exchange for unlocking people's computers after they hacked people's computers. And the addresses are owned by two Iranians, and I'll try to pronounce the names just for fun. One of them is Korash Adzida, and the other one is Gorbanian, Gorbanian or something. I probably pronounced it totally wrong, but that's their last name. So it was two guys that were taking the Bitcoin from the ransomware scheme and converting it to Iranian rials, IRR, which is the fiat currency in Iran. And so this is Iranian, I guess you could call them terrorists, quote-unquote. They're terrorizing their own society, not necessarily anyone else. So they're terrorizing people in general by doing ransomware. And then the first transaction sent to one of the Bitcoin addresses after the sanctions came out was $0.08. Cents. So someone actually sent $0.08 cents to one of the sanctioned addresses, which is not allowed. But it's funny because the Bitcoin addresses start with... Every Bitcoin address starts with the number one, but it says one Jew for Jewish people. So it says one Jew... Another one says one Mossad. And Mossad is the organization. It's like the intelligence branch of Israel. They're kind of like the spy branch. You know James Bond and MI6? So it's kind of like MI6. They're at that level. They're known for going around the world and assassinating terrorists and bad people. So Mossad's is Israel's like, you know, spy branch, intelligence branch. And so the two Bitcoin addresses that sent money into the sanctioned address, um, they sent like four cents combined or something. Like each one sent four cents. It was eight cents combined. It was one Jew and one Mossad sending eight cents of Bitcoin into the Iranian address that just got sanctioned. And I think it's really funny because Mossad is definitely fighting a shadow war in Iran right now. So it's, uh, you know, it's really relevant. And maybe it's kind of like they were saying, oh, yeah, we helped shut you down. Maybe they did. I don't know. It probably wasn't Mossad itself, but it could have been. Who knows? And yeah, by the way, you can actually make Bitcoin addresses have a word in them at the beginning. That's possible. And that's what they did. Uh, so... Just to go into, so once again, Bitcoin is decentralized and cryptographically secure, so you cannot uh, delete a Bitcoin address or freeze it, so the sanctions make no sense in that sense. And also at the other Bitcoin address, so the one of them had that one Jew, one Mossad transaction. The other one has people sending Bitcoin to it like all morning. Like when I wrote the article, there was like three people that sent a small amount of Bitcoin into the address by the time I wrote the article, just for fun. At different times, it was different people. And now it's up to four people. So four people have sent Bitcoin into the sanctioned address just to prove, like, hey, you can't stop Bitcoin. And then, um, so they actually made the addresses become active by sanctioning it. These addresses were not being used anymore. And then they became active because they tried to sanction it, which is really funny. And then another thing, like, if anyone uses a blockchain.com wallet, you know that your address changes every time you deposit Bitcoin. And any Bitcoin wallet, you could change the address with a click of a button. If it doesn't just do it for you automatically, like blockchain, you can just change your address. So it doesn't make any sense to sanction a Bitcoin address because the people that are running the Bitcoin address can easily just click a button and make a new one. In fact, it makes the job harder for the United States because maybe they would have kept using this Bitcoin address that they knew about. But now they've issued a sanction. It's all out in the public and they'll just change their address. So that's that. Sanctioning Bitcoin addresses does not work. Now for our next story. And the United States, one of the courts, has ruled that an ICO was wrongly classified as a security. So this was the United States uh, Federal Court for the Southern District of California. And Judge Gonzalo Curiel declared that the BlockFest ICO was not a security. So I'm not, I've heard of BlockFest, but I'm not exactly sure who they are. But BlockFest said in their defense that the tokens were used for... The explicit purpose of testing and working on the environment of the exchange. And their investors were just close friends who were willing to test the platform. So they basically did an ICO among close friends and then they were playing around with it on the exchange. And 
and uh, they got sued by the SEC. The Securities Exchange Commission has declared that almost any initial coin offering is a security, and I kind of don't really agree with it. That's a known fact, but I know how to make Ethereum ERC-20 tokens now, and how could it be a security? It's literally just like something in the code, and you create the token, and I don't see how it's a security. Like, a security is kind of like a share of a company. It represents a piece of the company. It represents some value. But, like, if it really is just a token, it doesn't have any value besides what people want to buy it at or what people want to sell it at. Like, the free supply and demand sort of thing, if there is any demand. But no, I'm not going to go on to that right now. But anyway, so BlockFest did, like, a really limited initial coin offering among friends. And the SEC tried to sue them. And they actually went to court over it. So the SEC... They don't really sue people. What they do is they just issue a statement saying, this is an ICO, and, you know, you better stop, cease and desist, and pay a fine, blah, blah, blah. And, and but however, they failed to register with the SEC, and they have to register with the SEC still. And the SEC, SEC could still pursue future claims against BlogFest. So the SEC wasn't successful in declaring that this ICO was a security, but somehow you still got to register as a security. So it's not like a total victory, but maybe it will be. It just depends on what the SEC does. Maybe the SEC will be angry and take further action and like really lock it down solid this time based on the results of this court case. But yeah, basically there is room. Like if, even if the SEC says you launched a security ICO, you could fight back through the U.S. court system. I can't imagine how much money that takes though. Like, anyone that doesn't really have money, there's no way they could fight back. So it just depends. What sort of lawyer can you afford? And then, now for our next story. Coinbase has launched over-the-counter trading for institutional clients. I'm kind of surprised this is just coming out now, because, like, Circle, one of their competitors, has had over-the-counter trading for, like, a really long time. Like, a whole year, at least. Probably more. And so now Coinbase has over-the-counter trading. What's over-the-counter trading? It's basically, like... If you're a big investor, instead of buying a little bit on Coinbase or buying a lot on Coinbase for a high fee, you do an over-the-counter over deal where um, the over-the-counter trading desk matches you with a big buyer. Like, let's say you're selling a bunch of Bitcoins, they'll match you with a big buyer, and they make the deal a lot more streamlined and peer-to-peer, -peer, pretty much. If you're uh, if you're trying to buy Bitcoins, they match you with a big seller of Bitcoins, like a mining farm like Bitmain or something. So they, they actually work on a person-to-person -person basis at the top level to find people to like do the trade with you if you want a ton of bitcoins it's a lot easier than using an exchange and a lot more cost effective especially because exchanges sometimes um coinbase doesn't have a liquidity problem at all but in general let's say you're trying to buy a bunch of some sort of cryptocurrency on an exchange and you buy it from the actual exchange like you buying so much could actually cause the price to rise or fall way too much it cause you to lose money but if you use over-the-counter trading desk they'll actually match you with someone that has the bitcoin or the Dogecoin or whatever. And then it's just a clean deal. It's like you send the money, you get the coins at the flat rate. And the fees are usually lower overall, even though it's a lot of fees still. Because you're probably trading a large amount if you're using over-the-counter. And that's all we have for you today on this November 29th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com Daily Podcast. Come back tomorrow for another exciting episode. And go to BitcoinNews.com 24-7 for the full spectrum of Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency analysis. This is your host, Space Marine, signing out, going back to space.